explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to Tigers in 20 Off the Boards, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast hosted by lead writer Christian Fowler, where he brings you the latest interviews with players, top recruits, coaches, and more in both football and basketball across the city of Memphis and around the nation. Here is your host, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this episode. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me is Go Tigers 247 digital content creator Kenny Stubblefield, and we have some major news for you today. Five-star class of 2020 center Musa Cisse has committed to Memphis over LSU, and even though Go Tigers 247 founder Brooks Hansen is at the beach, we had to bring him in because he's been on this news before anybody. He's been beating the drum for Memphis when everybody else was saying LSU. So, Brooks, we know you're at the beach. We know you're enjoying your time, but we just wanted to, wanted to get you on for a second so you can you can uh, kind of give the details on this and let everybody know that you know, you're know you the one that broke this news and's had this news for the longest for sure. I thought you were going to say you're going to bring me on to gloat. Yeah, pretty much. I was just trying to – That's all this is going to be. I'm just going to gloat. Brooks, you can gloat all you want. Yep. Go ahead. November of 2019, I feel like my crystal ball was at Memphis. Uh, stayed there, stuck with it. You know, every every time somebody wanted to make it out to me that this thing was done and over with, uh, I, I consistently said it, it wasn't. And guess what? Turns out that the tables turned. Memphis got it done. This is a massive moment for the Memphis program and Penny Hardaway. Um, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. It was a battle back and forth. I, I don't think that even even though I'm saying, yes, I had it pegged for Memphis correctly, um, I'm not saying that it was a done deal to Memphis whenever I, I put it there, you know. So I can say that I was right for that entire time. But this stuff is crazy. Um, at the end of the day, though, the good guys for, for Memphians won, and uh, it's it's massive for Memphis, especially since Musa gives Memphis something that they do not have right now, and that's an elite defender in the post that, that can rebound, run the floor, uh, you know, pick, screen. Uh, you know, he's not really an offensive threat except for at the rim, but, you know, he changes the game for Memphis because – Anybody who knows Penny Hardaway, he's defense first. So, Brooks, I know this is obviously satisfying for you, but it's also very satisfying for the staff. This is a huge get. Uh, a lot of people have scrutinized this class a little bit and, and been worried about how it was going to shake out, but this is this is clearly a major get, getting one of the top players in the class to come in, especially this late. And I know you talked a little bit about what he brings to the table and how he feels a major need. Uh, but you also mentioned that he's not super polished on the offensive end of the floor. What is his ceiling if he uh, if he does get developed that you know the way that we think he will this year? What is his ceiling after his freshman year? Well, I don't think there's any doubt that Musa Cisse will not be at Memphis uh, beyond his freshman year. He's just too good of a defensive prospect to stay in college. You know, NBA teams will draft him on his defensive prowess alone. Um, so, you know, his ceiling is, is not going to be met for, you know, one, two, three years down the line. He's a, 
you look up in five years and that's when he's at a ceiling. But I think, uh, you know, a, a Nerlens Noel is the type of player you want to project him at. Nerlens was not offensively skilled uh, coming out of high school. I remember watching him with BABC at Peach Jam. And he was just so good defensively that he was a can't-miss type of prospect. And that's what Musa Cisse is. He's just that good defensively. Um, and everybody can say that, and, and it's true. Uh, but his his ceiling will be how hard he works. It, he will completely determine how high his ceiling is just because he's that that good defensively. NBA teams, college teams, they will put him on the floor regardless because he's that good on the de- defensive end of the floor. We've talked about Musa. We've talked about – I know that for a fact there's going to be some Tiger fans, LSU Tiger fans, and Memphis Tiger fans are going to be listening to this. And part of the – a large part of the conversation in the 247 VIP family has been um, about crystal balls and, and how there were nine crystal balls. Um, there's 11 total crystal ball predictions for Musa. Um, nine of them were from – um, people outside of Go Tigers two four seven. Every one of them to a to a person had Musa Cisse going to the Tigers LSU Tigers. The only two people that had Musa um, crystal balled to the Memphis Tigers was um, you and um, some really good looking dude named Christian Fowler who is also a lead writer for uh, Go Tigers two four seven. Um, I want you to do me a favor. Would you maybe share very quickly? what crystal balls are and your how how do you how do you how do you project crystal balls like how do you put those out there does that make sense yeah for sure so typically i i try to i I honestly don't do crystal balls that often um i usually refrain from doing them until i know for sure that something is, is pretty much done and on Musa, you know, when he moved and, you know, some of the initial information that, that came through, it was just kind of like, you know what, this feels like a no-brainer. It was it was almost one of those – Gary Parrish talks a lot about, like, what's the most likely situation? Like, what what makes the most sense? That's usually the most likely explanation. So – it just made too much sense for Musa Cisse to end up at Memphis. And I went ahead and pulled the trigger without really doing a full vetting of whether or not Musa Cisse was a lock to Memphis. So I had enough information initially to say, all right, I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger. I'll evaluate as we, we go on. That's the same thing I did with Trendon Watford last summer. How do, you, how do you go when you project a crystal ball? Um, I know a lot of people – we're questioning you throughout this entire process of certain people that are national um, national guys for two four seven that were crystal balling for LSU, and it seemed quite um, odd that one person projected crystal ball a crystal ball for LSU for Musa Cisse, and then all of a sudden within a day twenty four hour period multiple crystal balls came through for LSU. But you kept yours at Memphis. Why did you not change it? And and what goes into your mentality in terms of of changing a crystal ball? Yeah. So I mean, I there is a ton of piggybacking with crystal ball picks. There are a ton of people out there, and this isn't a knock. It's just people want to be right. They want to 
uh, have an extra tally mark on their correct versus incorrect. They want to have a high percentage. So they, they simply just follow the lead if they have someone that they believe is accurate and they'll they'll go behind them and pick exactly what they did without really having any sort of independent information. Uh, they don't go out and verify or validate why, you know, Evan Daniels or Brian Snow or Josh Krishan or you name it, why any of those guys actually made the pick that they did. And the other side of that is that people assume that if I'm not changing my pick to match that somehow I must not have the same information. I might, I must not know what Evan Daniels knows or what Brian Snow knows that made them pick LSU, which is not true. Um, So if, if I had the same information they had and I was able to validate it and I felt good about it, I would change my pick. There's no reason for me not to. However, I knew exactly why they made their pick. I knew what information was going around and why people were piggybacking. And I went through the process of talking to four or five different people around the University of Memphis program and around Musa Sise. And all of them told me, nah, not done, not done, not, it's not a thing. It's those are people that are just buying into kind of a scuttlebutt rumor. And so I, I stuck with it. I just said, you know what? Uh, Memphis is the school that I felt like he was going to end up at. Uh, I still feel like this thing is trending towards Memphis. Memphis uh, is throwing all of their eggs in one basket and really going in on Musa. And until I get something from someone close to Musa, uh, which I have multiple sources close to him, or if I get something from the Memphis side of things, then I'll change it. But until then, I'm standing pat. Well, I know that that was probably, uh, and I really appreciate you kind of explaining that because you know I think that that's a, um, you know, for VIP members of Go Tigers two four seven, um, I think that crystal balls are an extremely valuable piece of information for. Uh, the people that that subscribe to what we do behind the scenes, but um, you know, I I, I can say I, I you know as a as a staff member of Go Tigers two four seven and somebody who follows it very closely um, for both you and Christian, the way that y'all handle those kinds of things, the way you handle information is extremely um, impressive and honorable in that. And I, you know, um, I know the Go Tigers two four seven family appreciates that as well. You know, it's it's not a perfect process, and that's why we focus so much on our community. Like you said, we we post a ton. We're constantly sharing information what we can, and uh, that's that's why I put more focus on sharing information for our members on the board versus crystal ball. It's more accurate. You can get a better feel for it, and it's more of a dialogue throughout the process, whereas a crystal ball is just like a yes or no, you know? Yeah, absolutely, Brooks. It is it is a difficult road to navigate. Still trying to figure that one out. It's not the easiest thing on the site for sure. Uh, but like Kenny said, man, we appreciate it. Uh, we know you had this information from the beginning. We also know you're at the beach on vacation, but we wanted to give you the opportunity to kind of come on here and explain yourself. So thank you, Brooks. Enjoy your vacation, and we'll talk to you later. 
All right, fellas, thanks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Kenny, just want to say thank you to Brooks again for joining us. Like I said, no, he's on vacation and having fun with the family, but still taking some time out to come on here and talk about his Musa Cisse crystal ball and prediction for him to go to Memphis. But now, Kenny, Brooks mentioned it a little bit, and we've talked about it a little bit so far about Musa's impact and you know what he means in this class and to this team next year. So let's break it down a little bit, what type of player he is and, and what Musa really does mean for Memphis going into the 2020-2021 season. When you watch a lot of the the flack against really big guys like Musa, who's a six eleven center, a legit true center, there's a kind of a perception that sometimes centers tend to be a little bit um, passive on the court. They're so used to dominating. Uh, just due to sheer size and and when they get into a situation like in a college situation or in the NBA a lot of times um, they haven't developed that kind of motor that intensity that uh, that desire to to not just overwhelm somebody physically but also use their skill sets and just just move on a constant um, you know on a fast RPM or high RPM um, on the court Musa is not that way as a as a center in high school who is clearly the most dominant player in the state of Tennessee and one of the most dominant players in um in on the national perspective um he has i think the biggest quality that he brings to the table is his his skill set and his motor he is high intensity on both sides of the floor throughout the entirety that he's on the floor um that's what i see from him the most is just his his motor is extremely high. Yeah, absolutely. We got to watch him a few times last year, and I, I, we say this every time we break down a player. It's one thing to watch film and see somebody. I mean, you can watch the best player in the country and be impressed by film, or you can watch a guy that's a you know a mid level three star and be impressed by film. But actually going in person and watching them play in a game, uh, watching the ebbs and flows of of how they play throughout the game, what they do in certain situation, uh, when they're leading, when they're down. Uh, body language there's so many things that you just can't see on film and uh, I kind of reserved talking a lot about Musa until I got to see him in person because I wanted to see uh, just how good he really was and he he definitely blew me away Uh, he's able to step out and hit shots which as we know is is kind of a quality that you have to have as a big now there's not many you know it's more modern centers now there's not many throwback style old school centers uh, anymore so a guy like Musa can step out and shoot he can hit mid-range I think one of the games I watched him in he hit four or five threes last year um, he's obviously I think the biggest thing is his rim protecting he is 
so aggressive. He is ultra aggressive around the rim on defense. He lives to block the ball. That's what he's looking for. As soon as as soon as you go up on the offensive end, he goes up on the def- defensive end, and typically he's going to win that battle with his athleticism and leaping ability. And uh, you know, last year was his his lone season at Lausanne. He had multiple triple doubles with points, rebounds, and blocks, uh, which is is obviously impressive. It's not it's still not super common even at the high school level. It's something we saw James Wiseman do a lot, but it's also something that Musa brings to the table. So long, athletic, rangy, rim protecting. You really get a a full skill set, like you said, big man and Musa Cisse. And as we know, this is a hole that Memphis had to fill. Um, you know, losing Precious Achiwa, James obviously only played three games last year. They had to get someone to play the five. They've they've really kind of addressed that that four spot, the power forward spot. They have guys that can play three and four, uh, so they're pretty pretty solid there. But as as far as a a true five, someone with size that can dominate down low on both ends of the floor, I think they have guys that can play the five that can dominate on defense, but they don't necessarily have guys that have anywhere near the offensive skill set that Musa has. So it fills a major need, and it doesn't only fill feel the need, it fills it with probably the best player available, the best player available at the position. So uh, it's somebody that Memphis has been after for a while now. Everyone's known how big of a priority this was for Memphis. Uh, I know a lot of Memphis fans got scared when uh, all the LSU hype was coming up over the past week, but Obviously, this is a time to celebrate. Uh, I mean, we've talked about it time and time again that there hasn't been a ton of great news, uh, but this is this is certainly one to celebrate for Memphis fans. Christian, what do you think in terms of roster next year? Um, obviously, the 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 front court was a need that needed to be dealt with at the end of the year. Um, Penny Hardaway and staff have done a great job of filling all of that, all of those needs. We're still waiting on the transfer waiver request with uh, DeAndre Williams and Landers Nolly, but you still have coming back. You have Malcolm Dandridge, you have Lance Thomas, you have um, Isaiah Stokes is going to play his first year. Um, who am I missing? Am I missing somebody? Um, yeah, Malcolm, Malcolm, Lance, Isaiah. Uh, then you bring it in um, uh, Ahmad. Um, Ahmad Ron from, from the JUCO, the JUCO level. level, so he they obviously you know they highlighted a need and they fixed it, um, and obviously Musa Cisse is the the jewel of that um, of the class in terms of filling that need. Um, but what do you think in terms of roster impact? Like who, what's going to be the starting five? Um, what are some front court things that you're going to see that 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 Penny is going to be able to bring out with the the guys he has on? on the, the roster now? Well, kind of like I mentioned with Musa, the fact that he brings a skill set that, that really no one else in the front court has. Um, and, and then also, you mentioned DeAndre Williams. That's someone they're going to have to wait on. I think he could play a decent amount of minutes at the four spot if he if he is available this season. But for, for the purpose of this, to just talk about the front court, I, you know, let's look at it without DeAndre. Let's look at it with what we know will be there. Uh, I think Musa and Malcolm are your two fives. Lance is a guy that can play both. Isaiah, Isaiah to me is more of a four. I don't think he really has the, you know, he's not the 6'10", long, jumping, athletic guy you want at the five. So I think he plays more of a four um, and then Ahmad more at the four as well. So I think you really have two guys that are are centers, that are going to be labeled as centers in Musa and Malcolm. I think that's a really good rotation at the five spot. I think 
you know, with a guy like Musa, who will probably be, he will be your starting five. Malcolm's not going to start over Musa. Uh, Musa's a ridiculous one and done type talent, so he'll be your starter at five. But to have a sophomore like Malcolm, who got playing time last year, uh, who will be brought along even more, will develop his game even more, won't be you know seven or eight months removed from an ACL injury like he was last year. So I think you have a great rotation at the five, and then when you look at the four, uh, a lot of guys that that could potentially surprise people. Uh, Ahmad, I think, is going to take some time to develop. He's a JUCO guy. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, but the potential is there. Uh, if you look at his tape, watch his film, super bouncy, long, athletic, can block shots, can play down low. Uh, so someone I think that they're going to try to bring along pretty quickly. And then with Lance, you know what you have in Lance, a guy that can you know, potentially put up 8 to 10 a night, uh, play well on the defensive end, get some blocks, and, and definitely be a good rotational guy and potentially a starter at the four. Uh, and with Isaiah, I think we'll see him looking a lot different than he did at Florida. We know he lost a lot of weight. Uh, before he came to Memphis, but playing in a completely different system and a different style than Florida, I think it'll give him an opportunity to show how good of a passer that he really is. Uh, I think that's an underrated aspect of his game, much like Malcolm Dandridge. So I love the mix that they have in the front court at the four and the five, the mix of talent they have there, uh, the mix of styles. You've got bruisers, you've got athletes, you've got guys that can block shots, guys that can step out and shoot. So you really have the full package in that front court. And I think that's it exactly how they wanted to end this class. They know they were kind of one piece away, especially in the front court and, and they locked it down. So you have to give credit where credit's due to Penny and the staff on this one. Yeah. I think it's interesting because one of the, one of the, as I picture the lineups and I picture, uh, you know, the rotations and how they could work out an interesting one that you, you talked about Malcolm and La- uh, Malcolm and uh, Musa being the uh, rotational fives. Um, you know, I picture we've seen Malcolm play for many years now, and and I think we've beat this drum so many times about Malcolm about the skill set that he has, and and I think you hit the the a point perfectly in that he is going to be now um, a year removed from being from having a an ACL injury that severely limited him in his freshman year. Obviously, he was out for a majority of the first half of the season, came back, and you saw flashes of his skill set, the the skill set that, Christian, me and you have been talking about for years, that, that Malcolm gets labeled in a certain way, but we know that there's more that he can offer. And so it's interesting to me because I wonder – I think you could honestly even bring Malcolm in the four point, uh, four uh, power forward level as well with Musa, and then you have two six foot ten, six foot eleven shot blockers um, that are athletic, um, and then bring Malcolm out to that um, that um, uh, high post level, you know, free throw level down. And then you've got a guy like Musa who just catches everything around the rim and dunks it. And so, you know, you've got a you've got a, a lot of options out there, and I think you highlighted them really well. But you've got a lot of options, and uh, just kudos to the Tiger staff for for finishing this uh, for finishing this class out strong. Yeah, really, the whole roster when you look at the potential combinations is is really cool to think about because not only in the front court, but the whole, you know, the back court, the three spot, they've got so many guys with different skill sets and different types of players. So it will be really interesting to see how they rotate. And before we get done, I know we're going a little long. These are usually pretty quicker, but um, you mentioned about Malcolm playing next to Musa. I mean, Musa is kind of a 6'10 James Wiseman. I don't want to say they have the same exact skill set because they don't, they are different players, but 
when you look at frame abilities down low, they're they're decently similar. And Malcolm played next to James for two years at East, so he's used to playing with a guy uh, that's that's kind of similar. Like I said, not the same. James is seven one, Moose is six ten. I think Moose is a little bit more athletic as far as leaping ability goes than James. Um, but to that point, you know, he played next to James. He knows how to play next to a dominant center. Uh, he knows his role. He knew that James was the best player on the floor, and he got on the ball when he needed to, and he he shot when he needed to, and made plays when he needed to. Uh, so I think that could be a very interesting combination with with Malcolm and and Musa at the four and the five because it's something that Malcolm's done, and I'm sure Musa would love to play with a with a guy that can you know not only set screens and roll off of screens, but can also throw lobs and and make really good passes from that four spot. So the the possibilities, in my opinion, are endless. There's no telling what these lineups are going to look like next year. Uh, We've seen in the past how much Penny likes playing with different lineups uh, based off of who they're playing or what size of the team they're playing. Uh, So he has a a ton of options. He can go multiple different ways, and it'll be very interesting to see. Uh, But, Kenny, we're going to get out of here. Obviously, this is huge news. Memphis fans are able to celebrate. Uh, it's it's obviously a fun time to be a Memphis fan for getting another five-star back-to-back seasons with at least one five-star for Memphis. So, Kenny, you got anything else before we get out of here? No, nah, man, I'm good. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tigers and 20 Off the Boards. If you enjoyed this interview, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.